And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is author Richard Mayberry. He's a free market writer. His articles have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and other major publications. He's written about 22 books and monographs, including his Uncle Eric series of books, which focus on economics, law, and history. Uh, Richard, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. I always enjoy this sort of thing. You know, today we want to talk about ethics. Uh, First, however, Richard, when our family, here's a little story, when our family was involved in home educating our four children, my wife acquired some of your books to use in training, and one of the first books I think she ordered was Whatever Happened to Penny Candy? She used that book, and one of our kids was especially inclined towards entrepreneurship, uh, working very hard as a young man, and it was so beneficial, uh, him reading that book, which uh, was kind of formed like um, a series of letters from this, from this uncle, this Uncle Eric, to his niece or nephew, Chris. And it, it, we just want to thank you for that book and some other books that you've written in the past. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. Uh, the books of, uh, you know, they've sold better than a half million copies now. And I get a lot of those kinds of comments about them. I think that whatever happened to Penny Candy is like in its eighth edition now or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's been surprising to me that it's what the publishers call evergreen. Oh, that's great. It just goes on from one generation to the next. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we really benefited from it, and uh, our son hired uh, workers to work along with him at a young age. He had his uh, uh, learner's permit, and one of the workers had their license so that he could uh, be with Tim as he drove to the jobs. It was just an amazing thing. Um, You have done a lot of work on ethics, and uh, that's what we'd like to talk about today. You, You run the Early Warning Report website. And uh, I'm just wondering today, I don't even know how to get started, but maybe you can describe, as you see it, uh, the bigger picture of what is happening in the world regarding economics, uh, ethics, war, whatever you'd like to talk about today. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, The website that you referred to for Early Warning Report is actually the website for an investment newsletter that we've been publishing about 25 years. And um, <clears throat> that, that newsletter has been successful because it has a, a very broad worldview and it gets deep into the actual causes of the things that are happening in the world and therefore gives you a more clear picture of uh, what your investments are likely to do. So um, one of the, the big questions that's been in my mind for those whole 25 years and a lot more than that is, um, the whole world seems to be going downhill in a lot of ways, and, it, and it's now, to the average person, it's become apparent that that's what's happening. And the question is, what's the root cause, the fundamental reason why the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket? And I think that um, the conclusion that I came to, which was probably, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, I, I became confident that the root cause of the decline of civilization is that um, people have abandoned the, the very idea of ethics. Mm-hmm. 
And what I should talk about here now is, is when I'm talking about ethics, I'm not talking about morals. If you look in a modern dictionary, you'll see, uh, if you look up morals, it'll say ethics. And if you look up ethics, it'll say morals. And um, the two words have become politicized, and uh, re- they're now regarded as synonyms. But that's that's a, a very far from the truth. The word ethics is from the Greek word ethos, which means the essential character of something. For instance, a head and a tail and four legs is part of the essential nature of a dog, and the dog can't change that. And that's what ethos means, is something that's a part of us that we cannot change. And then morals is from the Greek mos, I think it is, mos. Uh, and that means mores or customs or traditions, and those are changeable, and those are opinion. But the whole language structure in the United States now is geared around this idea that ethics and morals are the same thing, and they are vastly different. Morals is essentially majority rule. Uh, Whatever the majority is doing must be right. And uh, ethics is about there are fundamental rules of right and wrong that do not change, that have not changed for thousands of years, and your obligation is to follow those ethics regardless of what the majority or anybody else is doing. Now, in studying all this, I realized that true ethics is the system of liberty. It goes back to the American foundation, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and other documents of of that era. Those are all based on the old British common law, which was based on ethics. And that legal structure based on ethics rather than morals was the thing that gave rise to the American civilization, which then started spreading around the world. It's the essential reason why civilization rose, is because people were becoming more ethical. The Americans actually fought a war at at bottom. What they fought that war for in 1776 was for ethics. The, uh, The American writer Thomas Paine of that era, who was so influential, he made the comment one time that in America... The law is king. And by that, what he meant was the old British common law, which was based on ethics, that the American system was about true right and wrong, not about just some politicians getting together and making up laws out of thin air. And what happened in America was that in the 1960s, the Supreme Court made a couple of decisions saying that the public schools could not teach a religion, which was, I think, obviously a good decision because, you know, whose religion would they teach? There are hundreds and hundreds of religions. So um, when the Supreme Court did that, they accidentally threw the baby out with the bathwater because in American culture, ethics was mostly extracted from religion. And so when religion was thrown out of the schools, ethics was thrown out along with it. And as of the 1960s, it actually became illegal, therefore, to teach ethics in the public schools. And today, 
you see the result. Um, the nature of my work requires me to talk to a lot of business people, a lot of business owners, and they all have the same complaints, and that is that they can't find ethical employees. They all uh, complain about lying and stealing and refusing to follow instructions, profanity in front of the customers, vandalism, breaking agreements, harassment of other employees, gold-bricking. It's just this long list of terrible behaviors that most of the job applicants come to the job with, and the, the employers are just tearing their hair out. And also, on top of, on top of this, um, ever since I wrote the book, Whatever Happened to Justice, which is my favorite of the Uncle Eric books, I've had people um, who have asked me, this, this is a really great book, it's very enlightening, I love it, I love it, I give it to all my friends, it teaches me so much that I never knew, but at the same time, I'd like a, a day-to-day practical application that I can get through one day to the next in my own life, and I can also teach to my kids you know, a handbook on how to apply these ethical principles that once appeared in the common law that the United States was based on. And so I thought about that a lot of years. And then the complaints from business people just kind of got to be so overwhelming that I realized that it was time for somebody to do something about the ethics problem. And that's why we created this new company called Ethics Solutions. And it's about how to teach the employees the ethics that they need to be good employees. And it, uh, it's a course of instruction that takes about three hours, and it's for the employer to teach the employee how to be ethical. Because if the employee doesn't get it from the employer, he's not going to get it any place, in all probability. So that's what the new company is about. It's called Ethics Solutions, and when the employee finishes the course, they are tested to see if they did absorb what they need to know to practice good ethical judgment. And then uh, if they do pass the test, they're issued a certificate, uh, and they are declared to be Ethics Solutions uh, certified. It's a very much the same thing as uh, underwriters' laboratories for um, electrical equipment. You've seen the UL label on these electrical appliances that indicate that the, the appliance is well-designed. Well, the ES label is an indication that the employee knows how to practice good ethical judgment. Um, what, what has happened is that in the process of, of beginning to uh, get the word out about this, um, it's only about a month old, we have found that lots of other people want the ethics instructions especially for their teenagers. And there are you know, other people, too, uh, professional groups and, and many other, other groups who realize that most of them grew up without any kind of ethics instruction. And, uh, and in fact, their parents grew up without any kind of ethics instruction, and they want it. They want to know how to use these tools because that's one of the main things that, that came to me when I was doing all the research on this is that the ethics aren't just a set of, of rules about you should do this and you should not do that. They are a set of tools for solving problems um, and for avoiding problems. And I, I think that 
if I could tell everybody one thing about ethics solutions is, is it will make your life an awful lot better because you will be very clear in any given situation on what the ethical thing is to do or to not do. You know, um, you got me thinking here um, about uh, the structure of uh, a building, let's say, you know, and we talk about foundations and if the uh, foundation is not really down deep and below the frost line here in the northeast and all of that, um, the superstructure will uh, deteriorate and fall and collapse. You're emphasizing ethics is kind of like that. It's kind of like a foundation, a bedrock, and if we can build on that, then um, things will be much better. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, that's my hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, and I have a, you know, a great deal of faith in it, because this isn't all just cooked up by Richard Mayberry. <laughs> no, no. Um, the, the ethics that we teach are derived from what I refer to as venerable law. It, it turns out that every society around the world has a legal structure that they developed centuries ago, uh, in many cases thousands of years ago. And every society, this is, this is just the most remarkable thing to me that I found, is every society has two fundamental laws built into their religions and into their legal systems, their original religions and original legal systems. And the first law is do all you have agreed to do. Well, that is the fundamental basis of uh, contract law. And contracts are how economies are organized. The other law is do not encroach on other persons or their property. I'll say them both again. Do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or their property. And the second law is the basis of uh, tort law and some criminal law. Mm. And you can look at any legal system in any society around the world, and you can trace that society's venerable law that was developed over centuries as back as far as you want to go, and it will start with those two laws. Mm -hmm. And the best example of it that I, I've ever seen, and I think most legal historians would agree with me, is the old British common law on which the American system was based. It did a better job of trying to stay um, consistent with those two laws than probably any other legal system in history, and that's what created the, uh, the system of liberty, which led to industrial capitalism, which has given us this uh, amazing standard of living that Americans have and that has spread around the world since then. And I'm trying to revive those two laws. Now, I, I want to point out, too, there's a, at this point, most people want to jump to the conclusion that I'm teaching some kind of religion. Um, and um, the, the fact of it is that, that while these two laws are taught by all religions, they are also scientifically verifiable. And anybody can do the experiment in your own life any day you want to do it, and you can see the results. All you have to do is take those two laws and violate them every chance you get, <laughs> and then see what happens to your life. Does it get better, or does it get worse? Yeah, that's a good point. I would love to deal with people that um, are, their word is their bond, 
and that they will actually do what they agreed to do. And, and also, um, being a property owner, it's very important to me that, that, um, whether it be other people or statism, um, does not encroach and take away, um, my property. I've got a story and, uh, it's, uh, kind of interesting. Um, we live in the, um, mid-Hudson Valley of New York State, and um, our family has been here actually a long time. We were in the area before the Declaration of Independence uh, back in 1667, and um, some of our folks uh, settled in a very fertile area um, in the Hudson Valley that later would be um, taken away from them by New York City as they formed the Ashokan Reservoir. It's a beautiful reservoir, and I'm not against it, but um, they had to go through losing their land. And uh, if there were any graves in that area, the graves were exhumed, the houses were burned to the ground or else moved. And so um, this strikes kind of close to home because um, my great-grandpa had to give up his land, give up his house, and, and he got booted out of his own land. So that's kind of a kind of a close to home there. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting story, a very very uh, vivid one. I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's it's got the good and the bad. I mean, the good is a, a beautiful lake resulted, but the bad is um, now that the lake is there, there's all kinds of uh, extra restrictions by those people that got kicked out, and you can't do much around the water supply because, it, you know, it is a water supply, and there's all kinds of police uh, all over the place. But anyway, that kind of resonated with me. And another point about this uh, venerable law, as you call it here, this second point of not encroaching on other persons or their property, it reminds me of the contrast between a free, uh, a free approach versus communism. Can you comment how does communism view uh, property? Uh, well, I I, um, I stick to the old definitions of the words communism, socialism, fascism, and the other systems. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, um, when I hear the word communism, I hear the original meaning of that, which mm-hmm. was a utopian system in which there would be no government and everybody would love each other and they would share their property and life would be wonderful. And um, the, the actual, uh, oh, let's say, for instance, the actual name of, of the USSR was the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Mm-hmm. It was not the Union of Soviet Communist Republics. They were called communists uh, by the West, but actually they were socialists. And right. the, the premise of socialism is that the government should own and control everything and everybody and take care of them um, so that they are happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Um, what happened to America and the rest of the world, actually, was in the 1800s, uh, socialism started to spring up again. It actually originated in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, but it sprang up again in America and a lot of other places. And at that time, the American system of liberty was spreading around the world, but socialism came along and just practically killed it dead. Mm-hmm. You can come up to the year 1946 then, and um, at that point, I I did some research on this once, as far as people who really understood the system of liberty and could teach it to others, there were five left in the world. Mm. And those people 
got together and they formed the Foundation for Economic Education in 1946, and that was the beginning of the return to the American system, which was based on ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, of course, uh, those of us who believe in the system of liberty are are still way behind in the game. <laughs> uh, the socialists have got control of practically everything. Yeah. But um, the word is spreading. Everybody knows now that something is very, very seriously wrong with civilization itself. And so there's a search on for what did work in the past. And, yeah. and people are discovering this. And I'm hoping that ethics solutions can contribute to that discovery. Yeah, before we run out of time, um, if someone wants to um, search you out on the Internet, uh, how would they go about doing that and, and getting more information? It's very simple. Just uh, our URL is ethicssolutions.net. Ethicssolutions.net. That's simple right. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll find our website that, that goes into this a lot more than we have time for today. It explains a lot more and shows you how to um, sign up for the courses and get your certification. Um, you know, my hope is that I'm, I'm very soon going to be getting lots of letters from from young people saying that yeah. they find it much easier to get a job when they have Ethics Solutions certification. Oh, that's great. I, I love that idea. Um, in closing, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, one of the um, things that comes to my mind um, is uh, the, the issue of lying, and, and particularly lying under oath. And we've seen a good bit of that lately in our political system. Uh, any comments about how serious um, lying is from an ethical point of view? Well, I remember um, I was a kid in the 1950s watching television, and I can remember the, the great uh, all-time comedy, I Love Lucy. A lot of the the gags in I Love Lucy were about Lucy lying to Desi. Yes. And and people would laugh at that. Uh, the whole country just loved that idea. Um, I think that, um, you know, television is, is blamed for a lot of things, and that's one of the things that it's rightfully blamed for, is destroying ethics. The people find... Um, there's there's something I don't know what it is nefarious about of breaking the ethical rules. And what was so horrifying to me, and I was a little kid, is that this is a married couple. They're supposed to love each other, and she lies to her husband routinely. And I, I was just blown away by it when I was a kid. And but I never saw any criticism of it at all. And that yeah. kind of launched this whole idea. And, and practically all the um, the uh, situation comedies that you see today, at least the ones that I've seen, uh, are about people deceiving each other. Yes. Yeah, well put. Today we've been talking with uh, Richard Mayberry. He's an excellent author. I would highly recommend his books. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, our family uh, home-educated and uh, our children, and um, a few of the books that we used was Whatever Happened to Penny Candy, um, and Richard, you mentioned this one, Whatever Happened to Justice, which also is an excellent book. Um, I believe our son also used the Clipper Ship Strategy for success in your career, business, and investments. And these are the 
quote, Uncle Eric books. So I guess you can say today we've been talking with Uncle Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Richard, uh, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And once again, uh, could you share with our listeners your website and any book you may recommend to them? Uh, Well, the the website is ethicssolutions.net. And as far as the book... uh, I, I always suggest there are 11 Uncle Eric books, and, and the first three, if you just start for, with the first three uh, and go from there, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get the essence of what I try to teach. It's, it's essentially what you weren't taught in school, but yeah. the schools, the government-controlled schools, just omit that they used to teach, but they don't teach anymore. No, so true. Richard Mayberry has been my guest, and uh, on the side here is our son-in-law, Andrew Scott, joining us today in the studio. Um, Richard, thank you so much for taking your time and joining our listeners today. Oh, I enjoyed it. You did a a really great job here, (laughs) and uh, I I appreciate you uh, getting the word out, and that's fantastic. Thanks a lot, Dan. And dear listener, join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. That moisture seep down into your soul. Listen, my son, to your father's voice. Don't worry about climbing up too fast. Lie down beside these streams of joy. These waters will always last. Most of the time, most of the time, come tumbling.